This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is sponsored by the Union of British Columbia Performers. UBCP is an autonomous branch of the Alliance of Canadian Cinema, Television, and Radio Artists. For more about UBCP Actra, visit ubcp.com. That's ubcp.com. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash Podcast. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast, where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart to the Vancouver film and television industry, namely the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work. Capital T, capital W. This episode marks a first for the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Our first interview about a music video. And if there's ever to be a music video profiled on our humble podcast, it makes sense that it's Groupthink, the debut music video for Vancouver vocalist and songwriter Amanda Sum. The video was directed by a friend of the podcast, award-winning filmmaker and actor Mayumi Yoshida, and it is a thought-provoking, evocative, and fanciful short film that explores ideas around identity and Asian stereotypes. It was also filmed during the global pandemic, and it features the highest concentration of white rabbit candies that I've ever seen outside of a store. It drops this month, and so I am delighted to welcome Mayumi and Amanda to the podcast to speak with me all about it. Let's talk. Mayumi Yoshida, Amanda Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. So first of all, congratulations. On the, on the film, which I will be calling a film throughout because I, I, I feel like music video doesn't really give it credit, which might be revealing something about me, but I really feel like this is Aww. a perfect confluence of like music and, and just visual storytelling. So let's go back in time then to the, wow. to the, to the beginning of this project, which I believe probably began with a song, right? That's the normal order of things. So, <laughs> so Amanda, what was the, the inspiration for the song and then for the video, the short film? Itself? The short film. Uh, well, the song, the song I wrote about, uh, about a year and a half ago, um, and I had previous to that been going through a lot of nerve testings. And in one of the tests, they stuck this this thing inside my leg, and then I could hear what the inside of my body sounded like. And what did it sound like? It was like... It was very awakening because it just kind of, you know, was a, was a sign to me that everything is just constantly moving. Um, and then one night... Um, I was lying in bed and I heard a car drove, uh, drive by and it sounded exactly like the inside of my body. Um, which, yeah, so then I just began kind of equating humans to machinery in that uh, internally all these parts moving and, and working together to m- make us function and then externally how we're, how we're socialized and... and um, 
yeah, uh, shaped to, to think or act a certain way. Can I just pause you for a second? When I was asking you about the inspiration of your films, there was no way I would have predicted this like sci-fi answer. And I am <laughs> loving it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was a song. And that's kind of in the first first few lines of the song too. But then then kind of just about how how we conform to or how we confront these uh, societal uh, norms or ideals. Uh, so that's what the song was came from and then and then um then I asked Mayumi to help with the video okay so what was it about Mayumi and Mayumi's work that made you think that she would be the ideal person to to help bring the visuals for your song to life um I had wanted to work with Mayumi for four years since I first met her <laughs> and then we just we became friends and we kept bumping into each other um, and had tea a couple times but we had never worked together um, and then I thought well this is the perfect thing for for us to do yeah um, yeah just so much trust and I also it's so like music this is my my first kind of step into it and and film, I'm very new to too. So I knew I needed someone who, who I trusted and who I knew, but who was also super skillful and generous. And and yeah, I wouldn't have wanted anyone else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I I love I love to hear it. Okay, Mayumi. This whole time, I'm like, I can't stop smiling. Yeah, you're pretty much breaking your face with smiles right now. <laughs> ever since you, ever since Serena started introducing us, I'm like, giant, I've got a giant smile on my face. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, so, well, we all love Mayumi here. It's true. Oh. And I will, I will point out, because I, I find that, like, this is really kind of, like, has nothing to do with the, with the, the short film or anything, but... I've known Amanda for a very, I rem, I'm friends with her mom and I, yeah. I yeah, her mom and I sang in a musical theater group together in like the early That's aughts. That's so crazy. So I remember yeah. when she was like a, a little, little itty bitty. Six or seven. Yeah, I remember, oh, I remember that. Lord. Coming to watch her mom. That's awesome. Hey, Linda. Um, I remember uh, <laughs> her coming to rehearsals to watch us perform. So it is just yeah. so, yeah. and uh, it's just so fucking cool uh, to, That's to, so amazing. to so Amanda, you've just been surrounded by music your entire life. Yeah. yeah. That's incredible. Mom is a very... Very musical gal. Very musical and very fashion, very fashion, fashionable and fashion oh, forward. Yes. The best shoe collection I've ever seen. Probably oh, man. it is Fluvog. I I know I oh. follow her Fluvog adventures. All right, so but my, let's get Mayumi in the hot seat then. Mayumi, um, what was your original vision for the Group Think film? Like what what. Like, and, and also, I mean, how, like, have you directed music videos before? Like, in what ways was this different than, you know, directing something like Akashi? Oh my gosh. Well, this is, this was my very first time doing a music video. So I was definitely nervous and uh, super honored that Amanda came to me and like to have, to be able to collaborate was like 
amazing. But then I was like, oh my God, am I the right person? Because I've never done a music video. Um, and <laughs> when we initially talked, we had like giant ideas and giant dreams. And <laughs> Can I talk about it, Amanda? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, now you have to. Because <laughs> editing's not at all possible. Yeah, this, tell me, tell me, was, tell me. This was like March, I think. Like right before COVID. Fe I think February. February? Mm -hmm. February. So we were chatting and then we had these giant ideas. And uh, she mentioned, well, we had these giant ideas, but she said she has a budget. No. And then she told me the budget. <laughs> I said I had a budget. budget. Was she had a small, yeah, yes, it's true. But with, in, in film, when someone says I have a small budget, it's like, oh my gosh, that's great. It's awesome. And then when she told me the budget, it was like, oh. Awesome. <laughs> so it was, it was a it was a whopping seven hundred dollars, which ah. was um, it 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 was so it was so awesome that uh, we had such big ideas and they were like awesome. Okay, let's scale this down a little bit. <laughs> you are so calm too. I didn't. I still. I still am quite embarrassed about no no it's, 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 <laughs> I you don't know what you don't know though right like especially if you hadn't you hadn't worked in yeah. the film and tv realm before so yeah. but it's also it's a beautiful and adorable anecdote to tell on a podcast and um if nothing else you know what you could buy we're able to buy your white rabbit candies out of that right <laughs> yeah <laughs> can, can we talk but, about but it was um yeah i'll go ahead no i was gonna ask though about the um you know, one of the, the striking things that I got watching the video were, you know, were the, the fact that you were in, you know, Asian dresses and that, you know, you had the white rabbit candies. And I'm assuming at some point you went and you raided your mom's closet for maybe some of the leopard print coats or something. I don't even know. I know you have your own great sense of style. But, you know, can we, can we talk about like what, what you wanted to communicate about identity and culture with the choices that you made? I mean, and the other the other performers in the the film are Asian as well, which is its mm -hmm. own uh, its own kind of statement, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think um, so. After we had the conversation, uh, we talked about it, and then we talked about okay, maybe April, something like that. And then COVID happened, so you know everything kind of stopped. And then we checked in again around May, I think. Yeah. And um, uh, I was so excited to actually start a project because we were all sort of like what are we doing what's happening it's yeah. we're not it's I'm either writing or you know just doing lots of development stuff and the opportunity to shoot and also work with Amanda was like right there so I was just excited to jump on that and then um and then when we talked about realistically when we were talking about okay so what can we do during COVID and also um, being conscious of like uh, the racism towards the Asian community was like, it, it was a hot topic. It's, it still is, but it was uh, definitely like the beginning of that when we were um, in that meeting. So I think that's where we, we talked about like, it would, it, I think I almost want it to be like an anthem for the Asian community to uh, 
have this song in the music video to be like this really cool video that makes other people who don't really know this the Asian culture to be like whoa they're so cool mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so freaking cool yeah so um yeah and then Amanda had these dresses at home which uh, belonged to her mom and uh she said that I there were things that you you had imagined there was like the dresses the dresses the, the, the candies the candy the sneakers sneak sneakers and steam buns <laughs> steam bun and and it and the candy was in a cigarette case yeah yeah those were <laughs> Which like is so the, cool so cool yeah yeah those were yeah. like the imagery that she gave me and she she uh, sent me a pinterest board and then off that i added some more that i thought was like oh maybe this is the sort of thing that she's sort of talking about and looking for so we made like a giant pinterest board and then i think from there i formed this story and i sent it to amanda to like talk about it and then she was like this is it so, yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's I think that's how we formed the the whole narrative part of the uh, music video. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that's for, amazing. And for the song too, I like I made it really an intentional choice that the all the recordings were all female team and all Asian female players. So I really wanted that, like these these little the the imagery that I had sent to you, to Mayumi initially were mm-hmm. kind of just reflective on. I want, I want the process to reflect the process, the product in both the song and the video, mm-hmm. and like, for me too, because because live shows aren't really happening right now. Um, I wanted it to be celebrated and known that it was an awesome all Asian female band, um, and because I can't really necessarily do that too much right now. I I wanted like to put to put face to mm-hmm. uh, the sound and yeah I think the the video really reflects that I think it does too mm-hmm. so let's let's talk about the experience of filming this video during a pandemic um, which I assume presents its own challenges you know I've I've spoken to uh, people who work on you know some of the bigger shows uh, in town that have gone back to to production and they have COVID captains and they have daily you know check-ins and stuff talk to me about what what you assuming with your your small budget as it was you know what were some of the 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 things that you did and the, the challenges that you faced you know creating this art during a global pandemic I think um I think we were very cautious of like how many people were going to be on set. Mm -hmm. So because the talents are going to be, um, they're not going to be wearing their masks while they're performing. But when they they were not performing, we always have had everybody wear their masks and the crew always had their masks on. And um, it really was built upon trust. Uh, of, of the crew and everybody because you know we don't have those insurances to cover all of us so uh, the best we could do with John who's our producer was um, send out the everybody sign up to, to the um, the BC COVID app and mm-hmm. then check in every morning and send that screenshot once you've like checked all the boxes and 
then we send the last screenshot to the producer so that we're all um we all feel safe that like okay you don't have you know all these symptoms um and then on the day you know we didn't we don't really have a crafty place we just had bags and then uh if someone needed to go eat then you know they step away and they don't really come back until they've sanitized their hands and all that thing like but it was mainly just um building on trust so gathering the crew was i think uh the the most conscious part when we were um prepping so that uh we want to make sure it's like very minimal and people that has worked with each other before so there's no unexpected things that'll happen um because we, uh, the, it was the most important thing was everybody feels safe, mm-hmm. and uh, nobody feels compromised. So, yeah, um, yeah. and and you filmed at, at like outdoor public locations, right? For the most part, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So big air, airy spaces. Um, Amanda, for you, what was the experience of like? What were some of the memorable moments that that you have when you think about that day of filming? Oh, um, <laughs> uh, waking up at 4 a.m. Um, <laughs> after, yeah, but, but like so surprised at how much energy I had. Mm-hmm. I think I was so excited. <laughs> but, but getting to Granville Island at like f- five ish, um, and like how, how quiet it was, but how, I just I just like the air in the morning, so it yeah. felt very calming and and I'm not yeah I I want to get up earlier now. But <clears throat> thinking about that day, that was like oh that's it feels fresh to start. Yeah. Um, and just, so much promise, right? When you wake up yeah. and you smell the air, and you're like, we still have the whole day, and yeah. everything is so alive right now, and we can yeah. Tap we into got that. so much done, and then it was only twelve o'clock. <laughs> and yeah, yeah I know yeah and just hanging hanging with the with the dancers Marissa and Sarah was was really yeah really special yeah, um, yeah. we were really fast we I think mm. I think because we were always so worried that we might get kicked out that <laughs> uh we we moved so fast we did lot we did lots of shots but the takes were like okay like two takes and then reset 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 and um, we just wanted to make sure we don't stand out in the crowd or like in the in, on Grandma Island or Iona Beach so that we don't get in trouble. And the only time we were really asked about anything was once at Iona Beach because um, everything's gorilla. So we have plan B, we have plan C and our amazing first AD Rachel was like, okay, so oh like that was her like way of approaching me and she's like okay so this shot are we doing this doing this and I'm like yep yep it's okay don't worry act normal and it's gonna be all okay <laughs> I am I, I I'm so it's it's weird how I think because I did Tokyo Lovers in Japan all gorilla yeah. mm-hmm. I have this thick skin of like that's fine okay we'll just do it. that's fine <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, and I'm going to include links to like all of your short films and things in the uh, footnotes for this episode uh, because oh, I mean there, a lot of them are online and they are gorgeous. And Tokyo Lovers, gorgeous. because you 
you sh you did shoot it, Gorilla. It is, I mean, the production value is so high as well, you know, because it's like <laughs> you shot, I'm like, where did she get all these extras? And it's like, oh, wait, no, it's because they're out there in, in Tokyo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like New Year's Eve or whatever. It's gorgeous, you know? So like, so just because you're shooting at Gorilla, I mean, even even the group thing, you, the, the production value, the look, the feel of it can still be so high, you know? I'm with so, and stuff. I am so impressed by by what Mayumi can do. I just thought like, I thought, okay, COVID's happening. We have to scale it down. It's just gonna be a camera following me and that's it. <laughs> but you know, but scaling it down doesn't mean that you have to sacrifice, you know, anything, yeah. right? So yeah, I honestly, I can't wait to see what you guys, what you ladies do in the future when you have a, a budget. Like an actual, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> so that we could do this on the tiny things. Yeah, so if you could do, if this is your starting point, like what could you actually do in the future? That's... But I honestly didn't feel like a budget restriction creatively. It we added this film grain so that it has that nostalgic, like old, like Hong Kong films. Like it yeah. feels, yeah, um, and the song is recorded on tape too, so it really lines up with the. With the right, the, uh, what do you call it? The tape hiss with the film the grain. Grainy, yeah, 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 yeah. So that was something that was, uh, but those things are like, uh, I can do that without without budget. I shouldn't say that. <laughs> like, you know, it's um, <laughs> we, were, we were very very lucky. We were very very lucky that uh, Panda Fix came on to present, uh, to executive produce and help out with gear and why and all these crew like really came out for free like yeah. we were so so incredibly lucky and they were so generous and our colorist David Tomiak and editor Natch and but because of all of us um putting our head together and making it work uh it actually turned out to be something that really fits the music yeah so I I, I never felt creatively compromised because of the um budget or anything because it's it it yeah I think it the what I really love is like Amanda's dance moves is like she choreographed it, which oh. is so cool, and that's really what like made the whole music video to me. Yeah. Um, well, you know, can we let's let's end then with with feelings. Um, how like for each of you, how would you like people to feel? during and then after the video? Like what kind of emotions or sense memory would you like people to carry with them after they've, they've experienced groupthink? Um, <clears throat> I think my, my hope is that I, I like with, with the, the themes of the song and with the video, I kind of want, I like didn't want people to feel like, oh, this is that the Asian experience. I feel like I didn't want to victimize it. And I didn't, I also didn't like, don't feel the need to empower to say, oh, like, yeah. I kind of wanted to highlight that, that everydayness and the mundane, the mundane, like coolness of it. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think <clears throat> watching the video, it's like, okay, these are, these, these girls are, you know, having this cultural awakening, but it's not the sole thing that defines them. And yeah. that's like really awesome. And I think that's like something that very specific to 
this experience and my, you know, my inherited experience, but, but that it is like a broader thing. Um, like when, like, I hope people can, can start to question, oh, when is it, when is it that I tap into these, these things that are expected of me? Um, when do I, when do I succumb to an ideal and when do I push against it and, and hope to bring awareness to, to, yeah, make, make those choices intentional. That's mm-hmm. a great answer. Wow, my Mayumi, you got to follow, you got to follow that answer. <laughs> what do I say after that? <laughs> oh, That's why she's, a, she writes music. It's just so profound, actually, really. No, it's been a, oh. it's a very complimentary experience. I think the, t- the two of you to see what you're able to, to create together. But what about, what about you, Mayumi? What kind of lingering feeling or message would you like to leave with, with the, your viewers? Oh, well, I mean, it's, it, it, we're talking like this and we're, I'm so happy that like I'm surrounded by so many great people. So I often forget, but like, it is still a very, very challenging time. Mm -hmm. So I hope that when they see this and when they find out that like, this is what we made under all these circumstances um, and Mm -hmm. hopefully it, sparks something inside them or inspire them because visually it is there, there's a lot of things that we've embedded in here um, in, in the video and uh, if there's anything that like makes them think makes them wonder or question um, I hope it gives them like a moment to sort of live in that yeah and sort of take them out of that crazy reality we're living in and sort of um, allow themselves to listen to music and watch a video and actually think like, oh, what was that about? Why mm. did they burn a cake in the end? <laughs> and there's answers. I, if, they, if, they, if, they, if they feel that, like, please message me. I will I'll have answers. So um, I hope that consuming this will give them some inspiration t- for them to I don't know, look at the world a little differently or just give themselves a break from what's going on. And now, cue Groupthink by Amanda Sun. Never really got how we went from Margaret to Peggy. Never really got why I only hear the cars at night. And it really sounds like the inside of my body churning, turning into a machine. Never really got how we went from Muppets to madness. Never really clocked when it got so out of hand. And I really thought we would have some understanding. No go, it shows how programmed we're to be. So press one when you think that you two cannot disagree. Press three when you don't think the same, but don't say you don't think the same, you're a machine. Press one when you think that you two cannot disagree. Press three when you don't think the same, but don't say you don't think the same, you're a machine. Who's gonna cross the line? And are we splitting the wind? Who's gonna cross the line? And are we splitting? Never really got why high-heeled sneakers started trending. Never really made sense why I put my tongue on hold. And it really feels like 
The molding of my body cleaning, screening out options of control. So press one when you think that you two cannot disagree. Press three when you don't think the same, but don't say you don't think the same. You're a machine. Press one when you think that you two cannot disagree. Press three when you don't think the same, but don't say you don't think the same. You're a machine. Who's gonna cross the line? And are we splitting the wind? Who's gonna cross the line? And are we splitting? Made of metal, forced to settle for the common ground. So press one when you think that you do. Cannot disagree. Press three when you don't think the same, but don't say you don't think the same. You're a machine. Press one when you think that you do. Cannot disagree. Press three when you don't think the same, but don't say you don't think the same. You're a machine made of metal, forced to settle for the common made of metal, forced to settle. And are we splitting the wind? Who's gonna, who's gonna cross the line? And are we splitting? Who's gonna cross the line? And are we splitting the wind? Who's gonna, who's gonna cross the line? And are we splitting? No, I didn't ask you how to say your last name. Is it Antonio? Uh, yeah, well, you can say Antonio, but because they use uh, over in the West, it's silent. But it is funny because if you if you said it right, you'd say Andonio, which is the N-T is almost like an N-D, but the T is there. So it's Andonio. Andonio. Yeah, right. But even when people say it right, I often look at them startled because, uh, and it's never been a, you know, we went by Antonio since I can remember. So it's not like a cultural thing where I'm upset when they get it wrong. I just kind of go, yeah, actually that's close. You know, well, I I just, that's usually what happens. But I close. had that moment where I'm like, I mean, I've known of you for years and years. Uh, I never said your your last name out loud. And then as I was about to say it, I'm like, <laughs> right. Okay, so I'm gonna say, well, I'm gonna, I'll, let's see, let's see how I do. Let's, I'll, I'm gonna try, I'll try my best. I'm Sabrina Furminger, and today I welcome actor and producer Dino Antonio, Dino Antonio, <laughs> to the YBR Screen Scene Antonio. Podcast. <laughs> so Dino is Thank an you. actor, a producer, sometimes Vancouverite, sometimes New Yorker, sometimes Los Angelino. Sometimes Las Vegan, 
Yeah, all yes. of those. You're yes. sometimes that's everywhere. All, that's all correct. <laughs> and uh, I did live in D.C. for a year, so that was when I went and did my many moons ago. Did my master's DC. in D.C. Uh, oh yeah. no, so I I actually had to look up what how what you would call somebody from Las Vegas, which is Las Vegan. I would not like. What do you call somebody who's from D.C.? I, I I have to plead ignorance because I think yeah. you know uh, their the whole region is like because there's people who live in Virginia but work in DC and yeah. so I I only lived there for a year when I was doing grad school and I did a master's in uh, classical acting so uh, Shakespeare and uh, so I really was that was it was a hardcore uh, one year program that was like every day all day so I yes I did walk the mall a lot and I got to yeah. experience DC but I didn't become a DC native I, I met a lot of them so you're I, I'm still connected to the theater scene yeah, yeah well okay so you were sometimes a Washington mall rat that's what we're yeah. gonna call it yeah <laughs> that's right that's right the mall rat. <laughs> I'm only a paragraph into my intro okay I'm gonna get through oh. it and then we're gonna talk about the film so Dino is an actor a producer he's from all those cities that I mentioned and his credits include Gotham Motive Between Jupiter and Mars and Endgame now I haven't watched every project on Dino's filmography but I'm willing to bet no other project therein is as chilling thrilling thought-provoking or as disturbing as Variant. And when I say disturbing, I mean fucked up. Variant, a feature film that is currently on Amazon Prime in Canada and is going into wider release this month, this month being September 2020. Variant was written and directed by the immensely talented filmmaker Tony Leach, whose credits include Hoodwinked and Escape from Planet Earth. It stars Ashlyn Yenny as Arya, an artist in LA struggling for purpose who meets Joel, a mysterious yet charming stranger. That's Dino. And then, look, I feel like anything else I'm gonna say is going to spoil Variant's many twists and turns. And my God, are there a lot of those. But I will say that Joel isn't who he appears to be at first. And maybe nothing is what it appears to be. And friend of the podcast, Alex Ponifik is there too. And what you're left with at the end is a pounding heart and chew down fingernails and your jaw on the floor asking, what the hell just happened? And were the signs there all along? Intrigued? Well, you should be. Variant is not just escapist entertainment that is perfectly suited for this moment. It raises questions about autonomy, fate, identity, and the ethics of technology. And also, I can't stress this enough, Alex Ponifek. Dino Antonio, Antonio. Welcome Antonio. to the YBR. Antonio. But but just say Antonio, we're good. <laughs> fine, fine. Dino Antonio, welcome to the YBR Screen Scene Podcast. Thank you. It's so great to be here. this is your opportunity to rebut what I just said about the film. Um, like, cause this, like, honestly, I wrote this shortly after watching it because I wanted to get all my, what the fuck, what was this? What was that? Alex, what's doing? And onto, onto the screen, you know? So like, what, what are your, your thoughts and reaction to, to my reaction? No, I think that's what we wanted. Uh, you know, we were making a film uh, between uh, Tony Leach, myself, and Dave Cabby, the other producer. Uh, we we really wanted to create a film that a lot of people like not intentionally that they wouldn't get, but that a lot of that people could go to the bar after. And now, granted, of course, our world has changed. I mean, if this was a, we had one screening in L.A. on a big screen with the cast and crew, and it really I was happy and proud to say because we shot in 4K, it actually held up. Really, it actually had a bigger impact on yeah. that screen. But we wanted to create something that kind of was like a movie, like where people go to the bar after and argue over what happened. 
And because uh, it is a puzzle. And there's been a lot of cases where people are so sure they figured out what happened in the movie. And I go, okay, well, I'm not going to tell them what, ha- what, I, what, what we were thinking. Because sometimes you walk them through and go, okay, but now if you really want to know why that doesn't hold up is there's this one scene where, oh man, like suddenly they realize. So we wanted a movie that when you watch it the second time through, a bit of a you know love love to Memento and The Matrix and those kind of movies where when you watch it the second time you understand the motivations a little better of everybody including Joel and suddenly the clues you mm-hmm. see the clues they're hiding in plain sight yeah uh, they were right there in your face but of course you know it would, you know in the filmmaking you don't you're not like you don't want to oversell something and then make somebody get the movie in the first twenty seconds and then it's, there's no tension or fun. And, and so Tony and I kind of riffed for a lot of years on how how might one make a movie outside of the studio system. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tony himself then over a period of time, like got, he started learning VFX work. He started, he's a guy's such an all arounder, right? So he started learning VFX. And I, for years, he would send me little demos of like a tutorial he did on like how to make an explosion on a building. I'd be like, oh, really neat, really neat. Not realizing, I mean, I was sort of aware of it, but not realizing that he would then use those skills yeah. on the feature that he wrote, you know, directed, you know, essentially executive produced, and then did the VFX and edited. And so Amazing. it's a lot like a labor of love for him. Yeah, and so absolutely. he wrote he wrote Joel for me based on what he knows of me as an actor and what he knows of me as a person. And so like the-, the I'm a little troubled kind, by that. I'm troubled yes. by that, you know. <laughs> Yes, but but he knows that I'm a, ni- a nice. Well, I'm saying this that he knows that I'm a nice guy to work with, actually. But so we we developed kind of like my dream was always we'd try to develop that uh, Johnny Depp Tim Burton language where we get mm. to a point where we speak our own little language and uh, make a film. So when he came up, he told me back in it was back in 2017 in April or so or maybe it was February. He said, "Hey, so I'm working on this feature. I'm thinking about this, and you know, maybe maybe you know it'll work." And I, I was thinking more from a producing standpoint, I wasn't sure if he was considering me for the lead or what, but he knew what he wanted. And then after he wrote it, he just was like, so I wrote this part for you. And uh, if you're interested, and at the time I was just wrapping up another corporate gig in New York City, an executive sales job. And it was just, the timing was so unbelievably perfect that we yeah. ju- it just all just happened. And we, we, we shot the movie over a period of, uh, I wanna say uh, six weeks. It was 24 shooting days, but over a period of six weeks from pre-production to when we were, you know, wrapped. And um, it all just happened so beautifully clear. And um, there's a lot of different stories we could tell you from from the shoot, because we obviously you learn a lot when you're shooting a movie with, yeah. you know, I'm playing the lead and I'm producing it. And me and the other producer, uh, Dave Cabby, was just like running all over, you know, making sure locations were right. And then every once in a while, I'll be like, hey, Dino, you got a day off. Can you head down and do this? And then we, you know, we kind of tag teamed. And then a lot of the work, I guess, that I added was in, in, uh, then in post-production because we yeah. then we together tony and i uh and dave all all kind of looked through cuts and uh and, and shaped the movie over a lot of years but tony man he's just such a machine and so i, I uh i really hope that uh i mean i think it's already sort of happened he's there's been quite a few writing gigs he's gotten out of it and stuff like that and but i i actually really want people to recognize the talent this guy has as a as the director for the longest time i'd make the joke like we all have our stereotype part right when people look at you the quick oh yeah he's going to play this and for me it was like asshole in a suit right like people very quickly go <laughs> and and yeah. and they're usually not interested in his humanity he's usually uh like any time i've ever worked on one of those roles in an audition 
and I try to make the guy human, like more human, the director will be like, great, great, great. Yeah, one more time, uh, just a little more smarmy, you know? And, and so that's the stereotype, right? Mm. So Tony had written this very complicated man who has, has his reasons for doing it. And I, I could, I, I know enough men who have made this, they're kind of part of the problem in some way. They've made this jump between like, they think that love is possession. Mm. And, 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 and so they justify this very complex moral system in their head, but they're not well. And, uh, I don't, I, I personally don't like these men at all. Like they're, mm. they're part, they're the reason why we can't have, you know, this is why we can't have nice things, you know, like yeah. they're kind of like that. And, and, and so to get a chance to sort of go inside and try and develop some empathy for a person like this, cause uh, you know, I always say at the at the highest level, acting is the study of empathy. Mm. And then in the end, you know, hopefully people aren't just like, oh, wow, you're such a creep. And it doesn't, you know, you want people to think about, oh, okay, what goes into that? I mean, my dream would be, and I don't know if this ever really happens, but somebody who's behaving like a Joel uh, has a moment where he identifies with him and goes, oh my God, I got some homework to do on myself. Mm. Because it's not a, it's a, as you know, a complicated, it's a complicated situation at the end of the movie, so. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't what I thought it was. I mean, it was what I thought it was, and then it was something else. Okay, I want to talk a bit about the technology angle without getting too specific because of spoilers. And yet, you know, things like augmented reality, virtual reality, more and more, those are, those are part of our our daily lives, right? You know, it's something that, I mean, I was, I'm even remembering a few years ago, Pokemon Go, there are all these people outside my house, like looking at the world through their phones, like, you know, and that's something that, you know, yeah. that variant does touch on a, a, a little bit, and I'm not going to say how, um, but you know, like, to, like, what dangers do you see in that kind of technology? Yeah, I, I know. And it's been a, cause I am a, I studied computer engineering in the nine, like from 1990 to 95. That's when I graduated from engineering school as a computer engineer. So it's kind of, I have a very specific point of view on this. And yeah. I, I think that's why Tony wrote the part for me. Cause it was like, uh, you know, the character in the movie is a software engineer, software engineer. and it becomes clear. And, uh, you know, this argument has been going on for a long time, you know, Star Trek, you know, the whole concept of the holodeck, right. Uh, is, is this idea of like, you know, what kind of technology is there that we can, you know, play, play things out or whatever. Uh, I, I, as a person, I've always had this, like I play, I was into gaming for a long time mm -hmm. and it was during engineering school. And there came a point where I just went, I can't spend my life in this fake world. You know, like, mm -hmm. uh, 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 I, I remember once playing this strategy game and I played it for, it was almost like 24 hours straight. And it was like when I was just, just finished engineering school. I maybe, maybe it was 18 hours and I went to bed and woke up and finished the game. And it was like, I got lucky and I, I just got really far ahead and I kind of won the game, even though that's like, that's those games, it's always a weird, whether you won or not, who knows. Mm -hmm. And I remember feeling like, you know, like I had just wasted a 24 hour period winning something that didn't matter, quote unquote. And that's the question is, does it, does it matter or not? Well, you know, I, 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 I the reason why I don't do gaming now is because I just know I would probably get right back into it and be addicted again and lose, yeah. lose time. Right. So I'm trying to do different things in my life, but I, I, I like, you know, I mean, 
I, I, I don't have a strict answer on that yeah. as far as like, cause but that's I, the I cool do thing about the, the movie, stuff. right? Like that's the thing about the movie as well. Like it kind of leaves you with all of these questions uh, about what role should technology play in our lives? And, and, you know, like there are like, what is an irresponsible way to, to use it? So I guess that kind of leads me to um, a question then about what, like, how would you like audiences to feel when the end credits are rolling and in the days after? Like, I, it's been a couple of days since I watched the film and I'm still really fucked up about it. Do you know? I'm not going to lie. Sorry about that. You know, no, yeah. and I, I love it. I love it. But like, what well, would good, you, good. what would you, what would you like people to feel? And like, I, I kind of feel like this film is perfect for the age of COVID and the age of upheaval, right? Like, and because it, it is also, it's incredibly escapist as well. Like I got to really focus all of my attention and my emotions on something else, you know, for the hour and a half or whatever it was of, of the film, right? But like, how, yeah. how do you want people to feel? Well, I, there's certain people who probably shouldn't watch the film just, just outright, like people who have been in a, a, with, with a very, in an abusive relationship or a gaslighting relationship Mm. Um, unless you've uh, handled those wounds yet, this movie might be too triggering. Um, the score is also created by a close friend of mine, Mick Rossi, and he's like he is in the Philip Glass ensemble, and so I've known him as this crazy ass downtown uh, New York musician with absurd pedigree that he'll never brag about because he's mm. the humblest dude in the world. And the score is really bizarre, and and it, it it's part of what fucks you up. Right, yeah. and he he actually is also Paul Simon's pianist. So over the years, I've seen him play the craziest, weird downtown music, what they call downtown music in New York, uh, where we'd be in an audience where only the only the true believers are there, and it's the most <laughs> amazing for me personally as a, a big jazz fan. And I do play, but I'm not a, a professional musician that that regard. And and to hear these people that are the best on the planet playing this really strange, challenging music. And then to go see him play like, you know, some nice, you know, parsley stage, Rosemary and Thyme kind of music. And and then mm -hmm. and then get a little solo in there where he plays some crazy shit for a few, like eight bars, right? And so it's cool. He's a very diverse guy. And that uh, we're still very, you know, we've always been close friends to this day. We'll, you know, we'll be lifelong friends, but uh, yeah. So the movie, I guess, get back to your question um, off on a tangent is that, is that it, I, I don't, I, I wouldn't want people who will be it's like sometimes, you know, when I was a teen, I watched some scary movies that fucked me up in not a good way for a long time, you know, like mm. when I was 12 or whatever, 13. But when you're older, that's that's a kind of spark and thing you might enjoy. So I do, I, I think, you know, it's like a lot of things like to bring in Black Mirrors. A lot of people go, well, I can't watch that show because it's too, uh, it's too existentially terrifying. And I'm like, no, no, no. Its purpose is to ask the hard questions and do we want to be a society that allows this technology to be the main thing? Yeah. And same, we had the same questions when video games came around and now they're getting so immersive. A friend of mine has this, he was one of the first guys I knew who had a great uh, VR uh, setup at his house. And he posted on Facebook one day, shout out to my buddy Nelson. Uh, he had a great, this is a funny story. He set up a, uh, this post about how oh, I got this new VR system and yeah, it's gonna be gaming, it's so much fun, blah, blah, blah. And the next day he posts, okay, I just got back from the ER uh, because he lost track of where he was in space. And then he, he you know, swatted at something, of course, and hit them. He doesn't know what happened to this day, but cracked his head open. And it was like, okay, cautionary tale, right? Oh my so God. He, did that, he did that so we don't have to, right? So 
Thank you for Sorry. taking it for the team, Nelson. Thanks, yeah, thanks Nelson. Wow. And, um, and and he and I went to engineering school together. But also, you know, about uh, a few weeks back, he and I went and he, he gave me a demonstration because he's got a much better rig now and a proper t uh, wheel. And I, I've yeah. driven sports cars most of, my, most of my life. I've always been a sports car guy. And and I'm here I am driving a classic Porsche uh, racing car. And it felt it wasn't quite like driving a real Porsche, but it was so close yeah. that when I got out and hopped into my, you know, my, my current sports car, I drove up from L LA actually uh, to be up here for the COVID, for a bit of the COVID period. But I, I, I wanted that. I suddenly was reaching for the clutch and I thought, wow, this had such an impact on mm. me driving in this racetrack in a not, you know, in a, in a, in a fake world that I, uh, that it affected the way I felt about the real world. And that ends ends up becoming once again, the question, well, if I'm running around with guns, shooting people, you know, can I separate if it's so real when I am out in the real world and I own an AR-15, uh, uh, what's that gonna do, right? And uh, that argument is still always open for debate. I mean, going back to, like I said, in engineering school, me and my, actually my older brother, Tony, did engineering school at the same time. And we uh, we did a debating competition together, which was hilarious. And one of the things we had to argue was, be it resolved that computers are actually bad for productivity, not actually a benefit after all. Mm. And we and we argued the whole, that video games destroyed all productivity whatsoever. And I think we won actually, but I, I disagree with that actually as a person. I, I think that uh, there's so many, like Facebook, we can talk about all the negative parts to Facebook, but you and I have kept in touch because of Facebook, right? Yeah, like, would we, would you have been reminded of my name or seen the connections of the people I knew? Probably not, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, this whole, this so, whole conversation is happening because of technology, because of computers. Like you're literally on the island right now, drinking a Starbucks at your dad's house and I'm here in Kitsilano, <laughs> you know? So it's, but it's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. um, it's an inter it's interesting to exist in the gray zone you know and that's where a moral yeah. center has to has to come in you know and you have to have a good sense of of what for you is right and wrong you know and yeah. i guess it's also it all comes down to we're circling back right to the beginning which is about empathy you know as yeah. well right so yeah understanding what as humans are we going to do because for me personally i've thought about the morality of tech for a long time because I, I, I wasn't, I mean, I did embedded system design for seven years. So I did the super, super nerdy design work. And a big part of good engineering programs, which is a little funny story. Part of the reason I'm an engineer is that my father started the engineering school at UVic. And that's um, why I ended up, he never pushed me into it. I just had, I had the math, I got the math brain. So it was kind of like, okay, I, it would be stupid of me not to do this. I wanted to do uh, acting and music and it wasn't because my dad said I couldn't it's just that my older brother had already tried and I thought just stupidly like well I'll do that later as a hobby and as soon as I finished engineering school I was like no it's not going to be a hobby yeah. I gotta take this I gotta do this at a higher level if I can so that was back in the 90s that I started really taking acting seriously again but still keeping both alive and you know when you start getting into design uh, you start to you know thinking about human safety and oh man what is this going to do and you know analogy i use a lot when i'm talking to people about design is you know you look at a, a, a standard skill saw it has this you know this guard protecting the blade right and even the modern ones have made it so easy that it's like the blade that that guard moves while the thing and it you know there's, there's all these great safety inventions now those weren't invented off the bat because unfortunately a lot of fingers had to go flying 
for us to realize we needed those things, right? And the way I look at the last 10 years with social media, social media was going to be invented, but we just didn't understand the tool we had created. And there's a lot of people, I, I, I hate to say that I had the the foresight because you could see it. I was like, oh, this is the technology we don't understand yet. Mm-hmm. And the the tale of the next 10 years is going to be us finding out where the blades are, you know, and that they're because they're not obvious. <sighs> and a lot of people, you know, a lot of people ruin their careers on social media. A lot of people, you know, and you sort of go, oh, right. Just because you have the tool and you can tweet doesn't mean you should. And well, now we're seeing it play out at the ultimate level. Right. Yeah. When you said that, I'm like, oh, he's talking about the president right now. Well, yeah, I no, mean, I'm, just, I'm just talking obliquely <laughs> about political figures. I, I obliquely. Yeah. yeah. No, but like even even just <laughs> the way that social media, the like the like you know when when Zuckerberg started Facebook, it was about rating who's hot and not at a school, and then it goes on to you know be be influencing elections all over the world. You know, like it's it's bonkers. And at, and at the same time if not for Facebook and Instagram, I don't think I'd be able to have the multi-city life that I have because I'm still in touch with my friends in New York because I I see little Instagram stories and I send them even just a little heart or whatever to say, hey, I see you, I see you, right? And uh, what that happens then is like suddenly they remember to invite you to their wedding. Yeah, You're on the list and then their friend goes, oh, and then they show their partner, hey, this is my buddy so-and-so and they tell you a story. And, oh, we should invite him to our wedding. And then, you know, like it's, I, 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 I my life has been a, like a case study. And how many and weddings you get invited to because of Facebook? You know what? Even though like the little Facebook. heart and the li- and the little reaching out though, I mean, it doesn't always result in a wedding invite, but you know, just to kind of like, it's a nice reminder, right? That you're, that you're there and yeah. that you're thinking of them. And- I still exist. And especially in our business to, to remind uh, like, you know, there's this idea sometimes people have like, oh, I can't believe it. You know, they cast that movie and they're such good friends of mine and they didn't think of me. Yeah. And then you get into a producing role or a leadership role and you realize like, it's just, you're just making so many decisions and it's nothing personal. That person didn't occur to you. But when they remind you that they exist, you immediately go, your brain's trying to solve this problem, who to cast. And then you, then they go, oh my God, he'd be perfect for it or she'd be perfect for it. And, and I don't mean pandering and always like following up on every little thing, but you know, there's a lot of like, like the reason probably where we're, we reconnected or, or, you know, connected for this podcast was because Stephen Lobo. That's right. Like he, Your he, buddies with he, Stephen Lobo. Yeah. And, and uh, he came by and said, you know, he said, oh, by the way, uh, Sabrina says hello. And I was like, oh yeah. Oh, cool. Like I was, <laughs> so that was a kind of like almost like a pin, uh, you know, uh, a messenger version, you know, the old yeah. school version of, uh, you know, the heart, you know, hey. Sabrina says hello. The and then poke. I was like, yeah, yeah, it's been a while. Oh, the po- yeah, the, the dreaded poke that, that still exists apparently, but it's very strange. Is it really? Oh, I'll have to, I'll have to look into that. And, it's, you know, and then of course, what's present in every story is Alex Ponovic. Honestly, yes. he comes up in almost every single episode of this podcast. Big guy, bigger heart. Um, I used to call him big man on campus. You know, like yeah. he, he, he is so, like you said about the heart part, uh, you know, he, he, as you know, just, you know, the rap in Van Helsing and, and I think he, he can talk about it on a future podcast about that experience, but it was pretty special. And I was like, you know, I've said this to him and I'm, I know I've said this to anyone who would ever talk. I've been his fan forever as mm-hmm. an actor. So I, cause I've seen the work he can do. And I go, well, I go, man, of course that happened because you bring a warmth and a, and a joy to a set 
that is hard to, you know, especially an elite actor is hard to find. Yeah. You know, so, and he did, he did his time in the trenches and he played the three line, the one line, the two line. And then I watched him navigate. He said no to a bunch of things because he said, no, I will not accept this marginalization any longer. He didn't put it that way. Thanks. You know, happy to work with you, but you know, we only do offers on this kind of role or whatever. Hey, listen, he's trying to get away from this Russian, you know, for him, it was this Russian slash Serbian, you know, mobster guy. And that's, if you know, Alex, that's not who he is at all. And so, yeah, so, I mean, I'm telling tales out of school here, but he just, uh, yeah, he's, he, that, if there's somebody <laughs> who deserves a success, like every ounce of it, it, that guy, I've watched him piece by piece build a career. And I'm, I'm excited for the next series lead he plays because yeah, it's, no there's going to be another and another and another. Yeah. Um, so. This has been amazing. Uh, Dino Antonio. 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 What is wrong with me? I'm gonna, you know I'll what? get it's it one day. It's not a natural stress. For English, it's not a natural stress. It's like when you try to say uh, Russian names and they're like, no, no, don't try. I can <laughs> do know? that better. I, my mom's yeah. family's Ukrainian, so I can do the Slavic ah, better. But no, you I'm nail just... that. Yeah. Antonio. And the, uh, okay, fine. Yeah, and you, you know, there you go. I did. Oh my God. It was yeah. when I gave up and I was like, ah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's like a question mark. Antonio. Okay, so uh, yeah. the film, so Variant is, I watched it on Amazon Prime, and I'm here in Canada. Um, yeah. Where can people all over the world see it, appreciate it? I think it? it's, it's, yeah, it's on, uh, maybe I'll send you the links to maybe throw in the show notes or something, but right now it's on, I think it's free in Amazon Prime in Canada and the U.S. Uh, it can be watched in the U.S. on a, on a platform called Tubi TV, mm-hmm. TV.com. And uh, it's free there with ads. And then I think it's also on a company, uh, a platform called Zumo, X-U-M-O.com. I mean, this is the world now. This is the business now. Uh, All these like like sort of free platforms that have a non, what they say, cannibalizing market. They have their own separate market that's different than other platforms. And it's about to launch, uh, if it hasn't already, on IMDb TV. And so that's sort of why we're gonna this, you know, we're gonna probably do a more more of a push. Our movie came out on June first, and it was right during the like the heat of sort of Black Lives Matter yeah. kind of being the main focus. And all of us were just like, we're not uh, we're promoting focused. anything right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was just, and it was, it was. I have a lot of African American uh, theater artist friends in the U.S., and so they've been educating me for the last, you know, living in the U.S., you actually understand the problem just a little more because you see it. And and I have a lot of, like I would say, activists, but in a good way, uh, uh, theater artists who have been pushing the message out for quite some time. So everything that's in the me- movement is like exactly what they've been talking about. It's super consistent. Yeah. And so I was just like, <laughs> we're just going to shut up and listen like we did during me too, hopefully, you know, and if you have a post to add, maybe you just try to say, Hey, I see you. I love you guys and keep educating us. Right. And so we thought, okay, maybe it's a streaming movie. Maybe it'll be j- September when we really uh, tell the world about it and push it out there and yeah. sort of treat what it was a, as a soft launch, you know? So, yeah, well, it's, it is the perfect time I think for people to enjoy it uh, it is, we are getting into the, the spooky Halloween season, you know, and people want to want to feel a little bit afraid or want to have, you know, just some escape from the, the dumpster fire that is the world right now into a world that is kind of connected to ours, uh, but has its own, its own fuckeries. 
Yeah, <laughs> I think that's a yeah. technical term. Um, I yes. will include uh, I will include links to the film in the show notes. So, do you know where can people find you and follow you and celebrate you on the social media? So, Dino underscore Antonio on Instagram, uh, on Facebook. I had a fan page and I shut it down a while ago because I was like, you know, I was it was just one of those things where I was just like not feeling the promote the self promotion aspect. But yeah, gotta start doing it more. Are you on the and, Twitter? Uh, I am on Twitter. Uh, I love I, Twitter. I, That's my main thing. And I, I, I am. I am a. I'm a lurker on Twitter. I am very active on Facebook, but that's for friends. And on Instagram, I'm very active as well. But yeah. I will probably get back to being more Twitterish. Dino Antonio, yeah. thank you so much. Uh, thank you also thank you. to our fans. Please like and subscribe. Leave us a review if you are so inclined. Those help us find even more listeners. You can find us at www.yvrscreenscene.com. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, but not TikTok, at YVR Screen Scene. The YVR Screen Scene podcast is hosted and executive produced by me, Sabrina Furminger. I'm the only one to blame. And it's produced and edited by Simon Furminger. Special thanks to Mariana Furminger for recording our Patreon ad and to Tyson Braddock and Paul Furminger for technical support. Yes, we are a family business. Oh, and to Dane Devole for the original music. Wavier Screen Scene is a division of Fish Flight Entertainment. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic film and television scene. And cut! Hiring professional performers makes all the difference to the success of any recorded media project. Did you know that the Union of BC Performers, ACTRA, provides agreements for all budgets and types of productions, including commercials, TV series and movies, feature films, from big budget to Canadian indies and student films, animation series, video games, web series, and even streaming video on demand, like Netflix? For instance, our highly successful UBCP ACTRA Ultra Low Budget Agreement encourages and facilitates artistic collaboration between professional performers and independent producers who wish to produce very low budget or even no budget productions. No matter what your budget, we've got you covered and you too can benefit from UBCP ACTRA's award-winning world-class performers. So, if you need actors, voiceover artists, stunt coordinators, stunt performers, singers, dancers, puppeteers, stand-ins, background performers, ranging across any age or demographic, then just contact us at UBCP ACTRA. Make your project the very best that it can be. This message was read by a UBCP ACTRA member. Go to ubcp.com for more information.